Hello and welcome to United's podcast and sermon archives. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at fergusunited.org or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and we hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. On the outside looking in, and our scripture text is Numbers 32, verses 1 through 5. The Bible says this, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had had a very great multitude of cattle. And when they saw the land of Jezer and the land of Gilead, that behold, the place was a place for cattle. The children of Gad and the children of Reuben spake unto Moses and to Eleazar the priest and unto the princes of the congregation, saying, Here we go. Athroth and Dibon and Jazer and Nimrah and Heshbon and Eliah and Shabam and Nebo and Beon, even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle, and servants have cattle. Wherefore, said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for a possession, and bring us not over Jordan. Bring us not over Jordan. Numbers chapter 32 begins with one of the most twisted tales of truth for the children of God in the Old Testament. It's an odd request. After hundreds of years of slavery, they had been in Egypt for hundreds of years as slaves, and now four decades or 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, it was finally coming to a head. It was now culminating in this much-anticipated and hoped-for event. Now, they were standing on the edge of their promise. Finally, things were going to change. God's place of promise is about to begin. After waiting for this moment for 400 years and four decades, that's a really long time. Generations had come and gone before they finally got to this place. Israel is standing on the border of her blessing again. See, they had been here once before. Prior to the 40 years of wandering in the desert, God had brought them out of Egypt and marched them to this place. And they sent spies into the promised land. And 12 spies went in and they all came back. And two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, we can do this. God has given us a promise. We can can move forward into what the Lord has for us. But the other ten, the Scripture says, had a negative and an evil report. And they said, oh, there's big people over there and it's scary and it's hard and and we just don't don't think we can make it. And so they refused to move forward in God's promise. As a people, they made a decision to not go ahead into what God had for them. They were excited. They were filled with anticipation because 
the judgment that was given was you're not going to be given another opportunity until this entire generation of unfaithful people has passed off of the scene. And so when we talk about the fact that they wandered in the desert for 40 years, that sounds so quaint, but there were multiple funerals every day. And now the people that were standing on the border of Jordan again, or on the banks of Jordan again, were the children and the young people that had had paid the price for the disobedience of the generation that preceded them. Some were still apprehensive. In all this anticipation and excitement and wonder in the building, there was still a group of people that were, that were a little apprehensive. They were positioned on the eastern side of the River Jordan and everything that God had promised for them was on the western side of Jordan. There was only one border that remained. One more obstacle to overcome. They only had one more thing to do and they would be able to enjoy all of God's promises. And all of a sudden, Moses is bothered by a pretty peculiar request. After generations had lived as slaves in a strange land, they had been lied to, mistreated, injured, and murdered. After spending all this time wandering and wondering and walking and waiting, here at this intersection of land and water, all they had to do was simply take a step in the right direction and they would be enjoying the blessings of God's promise. Yet two and a half tribes come to Moses with an odd request. It was Reuben, the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, and one half of the tribe of Manasseh that made a bizarre request. When they asked to stay on the edge and not enter into God's promised land. They were right there. They, they were, they, I mean, the land that flows with milk and honey was within sight. They could see it. They could smell the smells if the breeze was coming the right way. They could see the colors. They could probably hear everything that was going on. And yet they made the request, let us, let us stay right, right here on the edge. It, they said, if we found favor in your sight, don't take us over Jordan. If you really want to make us happy, leave us here on the fringe of what God has for us. They said to Moses, this, this is a good land. While you can see the promises of God are so close, they request of their godly leader to remain on the edge of blessing. Because in their eyes, it was, it was good enough for them. It was better than where they had been in the past. It had the ability to meet their immediate needs. After all, it was a land good for cattle. Consider the, the contrast that they have. On one hand, you can enter into to the promised land of God. And on the other hand, you can choose to remain and dwell in a land that's described as good for cattle. Good for cattle. Come on, let, please, please let us stay here. It seems like a foolish request. This outlandish request immediately takes Moses and Joshua and Caleb back to the first time they stood on this riverbank. When the refusal of the people cost them decades of promise and required of them decades of walking in circles, still these tribes would not listen to reason. They could not be persuaded to press on. They could only see what they had already experienced. 
You see, their current place was not being looked at in comparison to what was available, but rather looked at in comparison to from where they had come. They want to build pens for their herds. They want to build houses for their families. They go on, if you continue to read in, in that chapter, chapter 32, and they say, listen, we're willing to go over with you. We will, we will help you possess the promise. We'll go in and we'll fight alongside of you. Just, just don't ask us to dwell there. Just don't ask us to go that far. We'll, we'll stand next to you in battle and we'll help you see all that God has for you. But, but as for us, we want to we wanna live over here. We're willing to go and help you fight, but only with the assurance that when it's over, we'll be allowed to return to this spot, to the place on the edge, but not in the middle of the promise. It does not make sense. All that God said, in the land of Canaan, there was power. In the land of Canaan, there was provision. In the land of Canaan, there was divine presence. In the land of Canaan, there was divine protection. In the land of Canaan, there is promise. It is the promised land and they're asking to remain on the outside looking in. Settling for something less than what God had promised they could have. Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh were content to dwell on the border of their blessing. In retrospect, we can, we can look at this decision and it's quite baffling. Why would they do such a thing? But how often are we tempted to make the same choice in our lives? I love God. I just don't want to leave my sin behind. I want a little bit of Him in my life. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to add Jesus to my routine. I'm going, to just, I'm going to fit him in somewhere. I'm going to find some room for him. I'm not really going to alter all that much. I'm not really going to live in his ways or walk in his ways or enter into his promise. But, but I want him around. I, I want to be on the edge of blessing. I'm not going to totally separate myself from the church. I, I just, I'm not going to be there as often as I should be. I, I'm not going to quit coming to church. I, I just don't think I'm going to pursue baptism or the Holy Ghost or, or living for God. I'll give my life to Jesus. I'm just not going to pursue holiness or, or perfecting my lifestyle. I, I'll give my life to Jesus. Uh, I just can't increase my involvement level to the point of sacrificing any of my time if it's not on a Sunday or a Wednesday. You see, the Scripture gives us many, many promises. There's a promise that says you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's a promise that says, Come out from among them and be ye separate, and I will be your God. There's a promise that, that says, He that loses his life for Jesus' sake will truly find it. There's a promise that says, The revival of the latter house or the end times church will be greater than that of the former, of anything that we read of in Scripture. Many times we begin excited about seeing these promises come to pass. But we're also very content with remaining on the outside looking in. I want to see revival, but, but I want to see it from over here. I want to watch it happen. I want to see people's lives changed. I, I want to see things take place. Right, Jace? This way, bud. 
I, I just, I just want to watch. If it would have ended there, it would have been bad enough. But it doesn't end there. It never ends there. Decisions that we make will always affect our children for generations. Be these our physical children, or simply the generation following us, or even within the context of a church, those that we reach later on down the road. Those who follow after us will always be affected by our decision. Let us look at the final drama of the act of these two and a half tribes. In order to do that, you've got to turn in your Bible over to the New Testament. You've got to put your your mental time machine and fast forward, and we're going to cover about 1,500 years of time. We're going to walk all the way into the Gospels, into the life and the ministry of Jesus. When we've gotten there, we're going to follow Him as He passes over the Sea of Galilee, and He gets off the boat, and He steps onto the shores of a country called Garnese. You can say it however you want to. Garnese. These words are very hard to pronounce. Jesus steps onto this land. The very same piece of soil that 1,500 years ago looked so enticing. Enticing enough to cause two and a half tribes of God's people to compromise their promise and to forfeit what God had for them. The place that then was so marvelous that they were willing to deny themselves entrance to the promised land. It was so pleasant and enticing as to keep them back from promise. They separated themselves from their body of brothers and sisters for for this land. It seemed completely sufficient to supply all of the needs of their families and their herds. But now, when Jesus shows up 1,500 years later, He finds only two things. He finds Satan and He finds swine. This is the place of the demoniac. The one who was filled with legions of devils. The one that the people had cast out. And when they cast Him out of their presence, where did they send Him? They sent Him to this place that was once a land of compromise. See, it was no longer good for cattle. The only thing it was, it was able to house was Satan and swine. He's bound up. He's unattainable. He's cutting himself. He's a raving maniac. This man is wild. He cannot be tamed. Every time they try to tame him or chain him, he breaks every fetter that they place on him. Nothing can control him. He can't control himself. He has become the horror of the mountains. Notably nearby this demoniac is a herd of swine which to the Hebrews had been pronounced unclean. They were unclean. They weren't supposed to touch them. They weren't supposed to eat them or be around them. They were forbidden to taste swine. There were very few things so loathsome to the Hebrews as swine. It represented disobedience to God. It represented sin. And so in this place that was, that was so wonderful that they were willing to sell out and not enter into the promise, now we find Satan and sin. A few generations had passed and maybe it was okay for the first few. Maybe the cattle thrived and everything went well, but little by little over time, the land dissipated. The land of promise flourished, but, but the land of compromise gave way to demonic activity and sinful choices. The truth of this tragedy is this, there is always a high price to pay for coming 
to the edge, but refusing to enter into the promise. There is a high price to pay for coming to the border of God's blessings and refusing to accept the promise. The greatest travesty is not the forfeiting of a single promise, but rather the fact that one compromise leads to another, taking any individual, family, or church further and further from the place God has desired them to be. What the enemy sold on one day as a pleasant land, good for cattle, led to a land of sin and possession. God knows what He's doing when He's calling you forward. Rejecting the promise of Jesus will always lead to a desolate place. There are many, many promises that I've already mentioned. We talk about heaven and heaven. Heaven is a promise. Revival is a promise. Healing is a promise. Walking in the presence of God, that's a, that's a promise. But just like these two and a half tribes who stood on the shore, God does not require of us to enter into promise. There is a choice that every individual is faced with, and that is, will, will I move forward into promise? Or will I be content to stay in a land that, that's good for cattle? Now, we don't raise cattle. I don't think there's anybody in here that, that's ever raised cattle. I guess I don't know that about you. But am, am I content that's, to stay in a place that's good for my career? Am I willing to stay in a place that's good for the way I view life? Am I content to stay in a place that, that's, that's just good for my mentality or, or where I'm at? Sure, it's not where I've been before. It's a, it's a good place. It's a pleasant land. It, it's not promised, but it's alright. Am I content to stay there? I believe what God's trying to do today for those that are here is send out a call to embrace promise. We truly are living in our last days here on earth. Watch the news. Look around for a little while. It's coming to a head. It's coming to a head. We've spent our time wandering in the wilderness and in the Spirit we now stand on the banks of Jordan all over again. We stand there on the banks of Jordan. If we could draw out and extract something from this Scripture, we are in the Spirit standing in the same place. This is destined, the end times is destined to be a troublesome time. God does not sugarcoat it. When they were standing on that bank of Jordan and they were looking over into the land of Canaan, it was still inhabited by the same giants that scared them off the first time. There were still lands that had to be conquered and people that had to be driven out and obstacles that had to be overcome. There was trouble ahead. If they chose, and for those who did choose, to move forward into promise, it was not a promise that would come without struggle or without battle or without hardship. But it was a land that involved great promise. The end times is destined to be a troublesome time. But it is also promised in Scripture to be the greatest hour of revival that the church has ever seen. In the midst of all the turmoil, more people will come to God. 
More people will find a place of repentance. More people will be baptized in the name of Jesus with their sins being washed away. More people will be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. More people will make the choice to lay down an old mindset and an old lifestyle. Repentance is more than just adding God to my life, but it's saying I'm, I'm crucifying this old individual and behold, all things are becoming new. I'm walking across this river Jordan into a promise that belongs to me. That's what the end times are going to entail. There's going to be battles to fight. That's not an easy journey to take, but God said He will be with you. He will deliver the land in your hand. These promises are attainable. You will not be defeated by the giants that stand in your way. And here we stand on the banks of promise once again. Our giants are not flesh and blood. They exist within our mind and within our hearts. They have names like fear and stress and doubt and worry. They have voices that sound an awful lot like our past. And they mock us. And they tell us we can't make it. And the enemy chimes in alongside those voices and, and he, he's content. But you don't have to run away. You don't have to run away. Just, just stay here on the edge. Just, just camp out. Look, look around. It's okay. And we say, well, it's not where I was. And I don't have to face all these battles. I can just, I can just stay close enough. I can see Jesus moving in the distance. I can, oh, I can hear the sounds of prayer. I, l- listen. Somebody else just received the Holy... Oh, look, listen. I just heard another good report. Oh, the church is celebrating again. I, I can see them over there. And I don't have to face any struggle. I, I don't have to go through what they're going through. I can just stay right here on the edge. But you're not in the promise. You're not in the promise. It's, it's, it's a good land. I won't argue with that. But it's not the promised land. It's not the land that God has given to you. It's not the place in life that God has called you to be. Will you embrace the promise? If you've yet to receive the promise of God's Spirit, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention a few Scriptures as we pass by here. Let the Scripture call you forward today. Listen to Romans 8 and 9. I share this Scripture because Many people talk about the gift of the Spirit as if it's like spiritual extra credit. Some people get it, some people don't. It's wonderful if you do, but but you can hang out over here. Uh, Let's let the Scripture talk. Romans 8 and 9. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Pretty, Pretty clear. Pretty clear. If any man, that's not just the male form, that's any person. Have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Skipping down just two verses to Romans 8 and 11. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the Spirit that dwelleth in you. He'll fill your life. Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. God desires for you to enter into a place of promise. And it's scary to stand on those banks, especially because God chose a sign like speaking in tongues. 
I'm going to speculate a little bit here, but James says that the tongue is an unruly evil that no man can tame. The hardest thing that we have in, in our life to control sometimes is our tongue. Because we'll say things that, that we don't want to say. And then there are times that we feel the need to speak out and yet we just, we just can't seem to make our tongue move. God takes that very thing that no man can tame and uses it as a sign to signify to His people that they have been filled with the Spirit. It is a, a signifying factor of God's covenant. When God made a covenant with Abraham, there was a, a factor there. There was a sign. What was that sign? That sign was circumcision. That's why when we read through Scripture, we read things like, they have the circumcision. And we become familiar with that because... We read about it a lot in the Bible, but guess what? That was weird too. Imagine being the, the, the first time God spoke that into your life. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to be your God. This is what you got to go through. God, that don't really make a whole lot of sense. I think maybe we could come up with something better. God made a promise to Noah. And he said, Noah, there's going to be some promises in your life. And here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put a singular sign in the sky. And our world has tried to pervert this signal, but it still means the same thing that it did the very first time God gave it. And it was a beautiful rainbow that stretched across the sky. And God said, every time you see this sign, you're going to know that it's, it's a reminder of my promise. I'll never destroy the earth with a flood again. The promise of the Holy Ghost has a specific sign associated with it. And that is the speaking in other tongues as God gives the utterance. I can't put it in a Bunsen burner and boil it down and show you the scientific formula for that. I can't teach you how to speak in tongues because it's as the Scripture says, as the Spirit gives the utterance. It's God doing the work in you. You have to get to a place where you're, you're sold out to God and you're requesting the, the gift of the Spirit and you begin to worship Him and, and then you just allow yourself to speak in a language that you don't understand. And that's scary. Talk about giants on the other side. You want me to, to let sounds come out of my mouth that I don't understand? Hang on, God. I think there's got to be a better way. And people say, well, no. Some people feel an overwhelming sense of peace and, and some people have joy and but we know that's not true because in Acts chapter 8, the, there was the city of Samaria and it says the whole city was filled with great joy. They had accepted the message of the Gospel. They had all been baptized in Jesus' name. And yet the apostles came down and prayed for them because not a single one of them had received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. God gives us four examples of people receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost in Scripture. Four times he, he allows us a bird's eye view of people receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And each time they, they receive it the same exact way. And they speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. In fact, I really like Acts chapter 10. I'm getting kind of off topic, but that's okay. I like Acts chapter 10 because they didn't even think that Gentile people, people that weren't Jews, could receive salvation. They still thought it was just for them. And through a, a situation of circumstances, a, a coming together of events, God leads a preacher to a Gentile's house. And the Bible says, while he was preaching the Word of God, 
the Holy Ghost fell on them which believed. And they of the circumcision, so back to that old covenant, they of the circumcision that were there were astonished. For they heard them speak with other tongues. And they said, we can't, we can't forbid them to be baptized because they received the Holy Ghost just like we received the Holy Ghost. That's Acts chapter 10, uh, right around verse 45, 46. Read it. It's an amazing story. God wants you to enter into the land of promise, being the land of being filled with His Spirit. Every one of us, this promise is unto you and to your children and unto those that are afar off. Acts chapter 2, I believe that's verse 39. The promise is for you if you're here today. To the rest of us, the Pentecostals by name. People often ask, what does that mean, Pentecostal? It means we believe in what happened in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. So everyone that does have the Spirit, we're Pentecostals by name. We, we've staked out our little spot here. We live for Jesus in a certain way. We, we found some safe ground. We can easily become comfortable But let us be aware of the danger and recognize that there is more to the promise. There is a danger in recognizing that there is more to the promise, but being so enthralled with where we are that we refuse to move. God forbid that we find such a safe place that we believe it is hospitable for our flocks and for our families, and we allow it to keep us from moving forward in the promises of God. I thank God for every season of comfort. It's really nice in life when you you stroll into a season of comfort. But many times, God does not allow us to stay in a season of comfort because prolonged comfort stops mobility. If I'm comfortable with where I am, why would I want to move? And so there are circumstances that come around and I don't want to allow seasons of comfort to cause me to forsake ministry to the body or the perfecting of holiness or evangelism and the desire to reach the lost. I don't want comfort to cause me to stop seeking after signs and wonders and miracles. I don't want comfort to cause me to to miss out on end time revival and increased commitment. God is calling us forward. It's time to cross over. And the question of the day is, are you ready to move? Are you ready to move? You can stand. You can come and play. We're going to have an opportunity for prayer today. And it's very, very specific application of the preached Word. If you could, you don't have to close your eyes, but maybe it would help shut out the distractions. Close your eyes and picture yourself for a moment on the banks of that river. And on the other side is the promise that God has been calling you into. The next step that the Lord has been prodding you and trying to get you to take. And He's relentless. He just keeps coming. He just does it in a loving way. And He's pulling and He's tugging. And He's letting you know how great it's going to be and how wonderful it's going to be. And your eyes are so fixated on the struggle that it's going to take to get there. That it causes the land on which you're standing to look very, very good. I've come to expose the lie of hell today and let you know that that land will not remain good. 
to forfeit and forsake the promise of God will lead to a desolate land. The promise of heaven is one that must be pursued. We have to move forward in our relationship with Him. We have to continue to walk after Him. We have to follow after the Spirit. We walk by faith. We don't stand still or, or remain stagnant by faith. You're there. You're among the people of God. You're standing on the banks. The question is, which tribe will you ally yourself with? Would you today partner yourself with those that are committed to advancing? Committed to entering into the promise? Would you separate yourselves from the two and a half tribes that have said, you know what, this is, this is good enough for us. We're content right here. Life's not so bad. Can you, can you distance yourself from them? We're going to have a time of prayer and this altar would be open. You would have an opportunity today if you've not yet received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the same evidence that everyone in Scripture had. Today's a good day to walk into that promise. There's no hocus pocus. I'm not even trying to sell you on the idea. I'm just telling you that God said it was a promise that He wanted to give to you. He said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost to them that ask? If you've already received the Spirit and God's been tugging on your heart to, to up your commitment or to step into a new realm of ministry, to move forward in your, your, your relationship with Him, I'm just trying to throw out ideas, but I feel in the Holy Ghost that God is speaking more specifically right now. You know what it is that the Lord brings to your mind when you kneel down in prayer. When you, when you really get serious and, and you stop talking long enough to hear His voice, that, that call forward, that, that step that He's asking you to take. Today's a good day to enter into the promised land. Today's a good day to move forward. I would invite you to pray. Talk to God. Advance your relationship. Let's cross over today. in me. I pray that this would be a place of encouragement. That there would be a pushing over the edge. That we would step into the waters of Jordan. That we would cross over into promise. Let today be a day, Lord, where you pour out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Where you fill the hearts of people with your Spirit. Let today be a day, God, when you lead people into greater levels of relationship with you. Hallelujah. Lord, you have not led me here to cast stones at where people are. Lord, you've led me here to call people forward. It was a good land for the moment, but you had more. You had more for these tribes. Let new ministries be born, Jesus. Let new commitments be made today, Lord. In private places of prayer in the hearts of people. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 
fresh wave of repentance that would sweep through. Let there be a fresh wave, God, of revelation that would come says you'll go with us. Your word says that you'll stand beside us. Your spirit will go before us. Every giant that stands in the way of your people moving forward today, I come against it in the name of Jesus. I battle alongside every person that's here. Yes, Lord. I call out fear and doubt. Cast them down before your people. God, that they would be able to move. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you'd like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online to fergusunited.org. And also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. That way you will be automatically notified of our new episodes. Thank you very much and we hope you have a great week. God bless you.